0: Veni spiritus, visita, in, perna gracia,
1: in nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti Amen Come, Holy Spirit, creator blessed, and in our souls take up thy rest. Come with thy grace and heavenly aid to fill the hearts which thou hast made. The following is a reading from the Ways of Mental Prayer by the Right Reverend Dom Vitalis Lehodi. Second Part on Ordinary Mental Prayer Chapter 2 Of the Entrance into Mental Prayer Necessity of the Immediate Preparation Unless the soul be already recollected, everything shows that it is a duty to make some immediate preparation for prayer. Number one, the majesty of God who claims our respect to come before him without taking the means to arouse our attention and devotion would be to insult him. Number two, the importance of the matters of which we have to treat. Orators prepare their speeches, wise men before a conversation of grave concern, or difficult negotiation, reflects seriously in order not to com- compromise its success. Now what is greater, more noble, more important, than treating with God, the author of our being, and master of our destiny, about the affair of our eternal salvation? Number three. The difficulties which prayer itself offers. The human mind raises itself to God only with difficulty. It is not easy for it to enter the supernatural world and there treat about spiritual things with invisible beings. The demon hates prayer and does all he can to hinder it or to render it sterile. Men, for the most part, especially beginners, are habitually dissipated and full of profane thoughts and preoccupations. Often their heart is agitated by passion, their will bound to the earth by attachments. They have therefore much need to disentangle themselves from these trammels beforehand and to bring themselves into a state of recollection, silence, and peace, according to the precept of the Holy Ghost." Before prayer, prepare thy soul, and be not like a man that tempteth God. Ecclesiastes 18.23 First manner of making the immediate preparation. The proximate preparation by which we begin meditation consists of three acts. Number one, to place oneself in the presence of God. Number two, to confess that we are unworthy of being allowed to appear before him. And number three, to ask for grace without which we cannot pray well. Number one, to place ourselves in the presence of God. Meditation is not a solitary occupation, like study or reading, when the soul is alone with its books and its thoughts. It is a conversation with God or with our Lord, sometimes also with our heavenly brethren. The moment we speak to the Most Holy Virgin, to an angel or to a saint, those we address— All, invisible as they are, hear us, and the conversation is as real as when we converse with an absent person by telephone. As to God, like to the deaf and the blind, we cannot hear below either see or hear him, but faith gives us the most perfect certitude that he is here present. It is we ourselves who are not present, when recollection is wanting. The exterior senses, the imagination, the memory, the mind, the heart, and the will All our faculties stray away from us and run in a vagabond fashion, whithersoever our curiosity, our dreams, our memory, our every frivolous thought and foolish attachment or impulse of passion may lead them. We are everywhere except at home. Before prayer, therefore, we must gather in our scattered faculties, summon them to prayer, place them in the presence of God who is within us, but of whose presence we were not thinking, saying in the words attributed to St. Bernard, Intentions, thoughts, desires, affections, in my whole interior, come, let us ascend the mountain. Let us go to the place where the Lord sees or is seen. Cares, solicitudes, anxieties, labors, pains, and external duties wait here for my return. This recollection of our whole soul is of supreme importance in mental prayer. A want of this is the reason why we sometimes lose our time of profit or profit but little. We throw ourselves on our knees thoughtlessly and by routine, we enter right off into our meditation instead of beginning by withdrawing our thoughts from the things of earth in order to fix them on God. There are indeed other elements of illness, of ill success, but this is not the least important of them. On the other hand, when this beginning is made, is well made, it penetrates the soul with a feeling of respect which confers upon it stability for the whole time of the exercise. For, says St. John Climacus, he who while praying is filled with the thought of an ever-present God remains in prayer like an immovable pillar. Should our mind wander during prayer, we must briefly recall it to the presence of God by saying, for instance, with Jacob, Truly the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. The way to place oneself in God's presence A choice may be made amongst several methods, some of which appeal to simple faith, others to the eyes, and to the imagination. By simple faith, St. Francis de Sales points out diverse considerations. 1. God's presence everywhere. He is in everything and in every place, nor is there any place or thing in this world wherein he is not by a most real presence, so that, as the birds meet always with the air whithersoever they fly... So we, whithersoever we may go, always and everywhere find God there. This was David's thought when he exclaimed, If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I descend into hell, thou art present. Psalm 138.8 Truly God is not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and are. He surrounds and envelops us on all sides. We are immersed in him as fish in water. Number two, his presence in us. As the soul being diffused throughout the whole body is present in all its parts, so God penetrates our whole being and dwells in its every part, imparting to us life and movement. And as the soul resides nevertheless in the heart in a more special manner, so God is in a more most particular manner in your heart and in the very center of your spirit, which he vivifies and animates, being as it were the heart of your heart and the spirit of your spirit. Saint Francis de Sales. And if we are in the state of grace, our soul is a sanctuary wherein the Holy Trinity dwells, imparting to us a divine life, the power to do divine works, light and help to enable us to act after divine manner. We have then no need to seek God very far away, since he fills our body and our soul with his most holy presence. Number 3. The third means is to consider our Savior, who in his human nature looks down from heaven upon all persons in this world, but particularly upon Christians who are his children, and more especially upon those who are engaged in prayer, whose actions and deportment he minutely observes. Now this is no mere flight of the imagination, but the very truth, for although we see him not, yet from above he beholds us, it was thus St. Stephen saw him at the moment of his martyrdom. By the eyes and the imagination. The fourth way consists in making use of simple imagination, representing to ourselves our Savior and his sacred humanity as though he were beside us, just as we are wont to represent to ourselves an absent friend. St. Francis de Sales. We may picture him to ourselves as in the crib, in his infancy, in his hidden or public life, or his cross amidst the splendors of his glory, according as it does us more good provided that this be done without any violent straining, and that we do not confound the realities of faith with the creations of our own imagination. We may also make use of a statue or any other pious image to draw our soul away from earth and fix it in God. But when we are making our meditation before the Blessed Sacrament, the most natural manner to place ourselves in God's presence is to raise our eyes to the tabernacle. For the more advanced this will suffice to fix their attention lovingly upon him who standeth before our wall, looking through the windows, looking through the lattices. Canticle, Canticles two, nine. He is their well-beloved, their God, their all. They will contemplate him, they will love him. As for those who are beginning, or even have already made some progress, they may need to reanimate their faith by pious considerations. Quote, He is there, I see him not, but I am more certain of it than if I beheld him with my eyes for faith reveals him to me. He has his eyes upon me to observe all the movements of my soul, and to fathom the dispositions of my heart. He beholds how I keep my body in a modest posture, my mind recollected, and my will devout. He knows me better than I do myself, and I can hide nothing from him. Who then is he? Beginners will chiefly see in him the master of their life and of their eternity, the judge who hates evil, who has created hell, purgatory, and the other punishments of sin, and they experience that saving fear, which is the mainspring of the purgative way. Those who are making progress will consider him chiefly as the model they ought to resemble, the source of light and strength, the happiness which will crown their virtues. and this view, will reanimate the hope which is their support. The holy tabernacle, therefore, speaks to all, but accommodates its language to each one's spe- special attraction." If in the course of our prayer our thoughts wander, a glance upon him who is in our midst will bring them back. Make use, then, of some one of these four means to place yourself in the presence of God before mental prayer. But there is no need to employ them all at the same time. You need use only one, and that briefly and with simplicity. St. Francis de Sales. Number two. To confess that we are unworthy of being allowed to appear before God— Entering then into conversation with God, we begin by saluting him. Struck with a sense of our own nothingness and of his greatness, kneeling, if circumstances permit, let us prostrate ourselves in spirit before him in profound adoration. Let us make ourselves quite small before such lofty majesty, contrite and humbled by the memory of our sins in presence of so pure a sanctity. We may express the second point of our preparation in some such terms as these, I believe, O Lord, that thou art here really present, that I, dust and ashes, am going to speak to my Lord and my God, that thine eyes are upon me, and that thou deignest to listen to me. Thou art my God, I humbly adore thee. Thou art my sovereign master, I submit submit myself to thy absolute authority. Deign to look upon me mercifully, and to bear with me indulgently, for I am most unworthy to appear in thy presence. Unworthy because thou art infinitely great, and I am but nothingness unworthy, especially because thou art holiness itself, and I, a poor sinner, have so often offended thy divine majesty, especially by such or such a fault. Even still I have such or such a defect which I have not corrected, such or such a bad inclination which puts me to shame. To appear in thy presence I ought to be as pure as an angel. Oh, how far from it I am! But thou knowest that I love not my faults and spiritual miseries. I am ashamed of them before thee. I beg thy pardon, I beg thy pardon for them. I will correct them with the aid of thy holy grace, and it is even for this purpose that I come to thee, hoping that thou wilt not despise a contrite and humble heart. And if I am not sufficiently penetrated with this salutary com- compunction, deign thou to pour it into my soul and I shall have it. Purify my heart and my lips, o omnipotent God, who didst purify the lips of Isaiah with a burning coal and then I shall be less unworthy to converse with thee. You may say the confidier, As our Lord is our mediator, it is good to unite ourselves with him, in the following way, for example, quote, I do not deserve, O Lord God, that thou shouldst pay any attention to me, but the prayer and the merits of thy Son thou canst not reject. Now he prayed for me, and still prays for me in heaven and in the holy tabernacle. He offers to thee his homage, pleading for me with his lips and his heart, by his past labors, his tears, and his blood. He adores thee, he thanks thee, he implores thy mercy and begs graces for me. Whatever he says to thee, I say the same. I make all his homage mine, mine own by joining him in intention. It is while invoking him, holding him by the hand, and sheltering myself under his merits, that I dare to present myself before thee with the firm confidence of being heard. Number three. We must acknowledge ourselves incapable of praying of ourselves and invoke the Holy Ghost. O Lord, I am not of myself capable of having a good thought, but my sufficiency is from Thee. 2 Corinthians 3, five. I am not able to concentrate my thoughts if Thou dost not control them, nor to raise my heart to Thee unless Thou dost attract it, nor to love Thee if Thou dost not inflame me, nor to form a good resolution still less to put it in practice, if thou dost not give me, to will and to accomplish. Philippians 2.13 I renounce therefore my own thoughts, which are not capable of guiding me aright as to what concerns my salvation, and my own affections, which are wont to tend towards evil. Come then, O Divine Spirit, have compassion on my indigence. I abandon myself to thee, in order that illuminated, moved, and guided by thee, I may make my meditation well. Come, enlighten my intelligence, inflame my heart, and convert my will that my prayer may contribute to thy glory and to my own spiritual advancement. The object of these last words is to remind us of the purity of intention we should bring to prayer if we should would seek God and not ourselves. Father Croset very justly remarks, quote, "Be resigned to pass this time of prayer, either in light or in darkness, in consolation or in desolation without seeking any other satisfaction than that of doing the will of God. This resignation is important in order to receive his grace and to remain peacefully in whatever state he may place you. If you leave off your prayer with a satisfied mind, having after having done what you could to make it well, it is a sign that you entered upon it with a pure intention. If you leave it off saddened and cast down, it is a sign that you sought in it your own satisfaction and not God's will. Second way to commence our prayer, of the composition of place and other preludes. You may, if you prefer, begin your meditation in the following manner. Put yourself briefly in the presence of God and ask the grace to pray well. Then make the composition of place according to the method of St. Ignatius and St. Francis de Sales. This consists, quote, in placing before our imagination the substance of the mystery we are about to meditate, as if it were really taking place before our eyes. St. Francis de Sales. If I want to meditate upon our crucified Lord, I will transport myself in spirit to Calvary and will recall to mind all the scenes of the Passion. I behold my Savior covered with bleeding wounds. I assist at the scourging, the crowning with thorns. I hear the sarcasms and blasphemies, etc. I may do the same when I meditate on death, on hell, or on any mystery where there is question of visible and sensible things. It is otherwise, quote, with regard to such truths as the greatness of God, the excellence of virtue, the end of which we were created, which all are invisible things. However, if I am meditating upon some saying of our Lord, I may imagine myself as present amongst his disciples, that is, that it is to me he addresses his words, or that he speaks to me from the holy altar. But we should avoid subtle imaginings and act, quote, so that our mind be not too much engrossed in the work of inventing images, St. Francis de Sales. For if these representations do not occur to us as if of themselves and without effort, it is better to confine ourselves to simply recalling our subject to mind. With these restrictions, the composition of place cannot fatigue the mind. It fixes the imagination by confining it to an object which interests it, and thus hinders it from wandering hither and thither or, if it does wander, to recall, to mind, this mental picture suffices to bring it back. To this prelude, St. Ignatius always adds at least one other by which, quote, we ask the grace, not now in general, to make a good meditation, but a special grace conformable to the fruit we wish to derive from the meditation. We ask for light and strength, light to know, strength to will and to accomplish. Lastly, when our subject is some historical fact— St. Ignatius would have us recall briefly the fact in question before the two preludes, of which we have just spoken, which makes a third prelude. These preludes not being required by all the methods, there is no objection to our not making use of them if we find them embarrassing. We thought it right to mention them for those who might wish to employ them. In short, we may limit the whole immediate preparation to placing ourselves in the presence of God, adoring Him humbly, and asking the grace to pray well. This hardly requires five minutes, but should we be strongly impressed by the thought of God's presence, by sorrow for our sins, by a feeling of the need we have of grace, etc., we should abandon the subject we have prepared and hold on to this thought which is doing us good. For as we have already remarked, it is pro- unprofitable to continue searching when we have already found what we need. Next time we will look at the body of the meditation. In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
0: Amen. With each for his tai me dit God I'm glory. e renova bis re Noremos Deus cui cordą, fidelium, santi Spiritus, ilustratzione docuisti da recurrentes, dano visine Odem recta sapere, et dejus semper consolation gaude